Hi everyone, Steve here. In the last episode, I introduced you to Lang Elliott, a gifted wildlife sound recordist that I had the privilege to interview not too long ago. In fact, before I get too far into this episode, I want to recommend that you check out Lang's Pure Nature 3D Soundscapes app on the Apple App Store. It's just therapeutic and lovely. You will really like it. Lang is, academically anyway, a biologist who studied wildlife behavior and ecology. But he likes to tell anyone who will listen that he's a naturalist, author, speaker, poet, recordist, sound producer, photographer, cinematographer, movie maker. I mean, you get the idea. Lang grew up in central Missouri, where he roamed the woods and fields, waded through rivers and ponds, and developed an interest in and a passion for the natural world. But something clicked for him when he went to university. I went on to um, University of Missouri. Um, I was in a pre-med track, but actually I ended up sort of uh, transitioning to more natural history and taking all these courses. I took a course in herpetology. Um, and the guy who taught the course was a real field guy, so we did lots of field trips. And I learned all these uh, frogs and toads by their calls because he was into the sounds. It just got me interested in sound. That was when Lang became interested in the sounds of the natural world. I didn't get into more serious recording until actually much later. Um, uh, I was about 40 years old and uh, working at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, teaching a course in bird photography. And, um, you know, I still had my recording stuff. And I got it in my head of uh, going out and trying to record some birds and I started doing that and found actually some money from the Library of Congress. Uh, their talking book, or talking book series, actually, for visually handicapped people. There's a division. So I got a little grant to produce a birdsong tutor for the visually handicapped. And that was my first production. I acquired a couple of reel-to-reel tape recorders, Tascam tape recorders, a friend provided me with a space where I set up a little studio. And I went out. It was in 1987 when I started and got a little more serious in 1988 and was really just uh, scouring the countryside, gathering uh, songs and calls of common birds. And then I put together this tutorial. That tutorial was a game changer for Lang. It allowed people who were visually impaired to essentially see the world through bird song birds are found in specific habitats. So it was about that, going into meadow situations, marsh, forest, um, and around cities, and familiarizing them with the sounds and what those sounds might tell them about their surroundings. After graduation, Lang spent time at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Eventually, though, he left, and he hit the road. And then I subsequently left the lab of ornithology and through the early 1990s traveled extensively. I had a little bit of money. I bought a Chevy van and I traveled about mostly in eastern North America. But um, really, I drove hundreds of thousands of miles, several hundred thousand miles anyway, over uh, just three or four years in the early 1990s, mostly doing parabola type recordings. And then, in 1992, something happened that changed his direction in a remarkable way. In 1992, I learned about um, soundscapes. Uh, I actually read an article about Gordon Hempton, 
and he was traveling around uh, the world, or had already done this with one of the uh, binaural uh, mannequin head mics, the Fritz Neumann uh, microphone setup, and I thought, wow, that's awesome, that's totally cool, because I'd been mostly toting a parabola and getting really close to this bird and that bird or this frog and that frog for these close-ups, and then here's this guy gathering soundscapes, the totality of sound, and not only that, he was doing it binaurally, so that if you put on headphones, it really sounds like you're there. So I, I bought one of his CDs, I think it was called Dawn Chorus, and he had traveled around the world recording Dawn Choruses, great concept, sort of an Aquarian-type concept, <laughs> and... Um, I was just taken by that and thought, I want to do that kind of recording. So I investigated the various microphones. I, I chose something different from the binaural head, but, but that produces basically uh, a very similar result. It's called a stereo ambient sampling system microphone setup. It's no longer available for sale, but I retrofitted it with really super quiet Sennheiser mics, tested it. Uh, Got in touch with Gordon Hempton. We actually traded microphones. I had two setups, and he had two binaural heads. So he sent me a binaural head, and I sent him my mic. And I did some testing and decided to stick with my mic. Um, and and he subsequently acquired um, the same mic that I had. So he was using them both, both his binaural head and my my setup as well. So, off he went, into the American prairie in 1993, to record soundscapes. Lang still used his parabolic microphone, but now he added his Stereo Ambient Sound System, or SAS for short. Now, if you're not familiar with a SAS array, basically it's a trapezoid-shaped mount for two microphones that are mounted on it so that they point away from each other at about 120 degrees or so, with a barrier between them to give channel separation, the same way the human head does for your ears. That was in the early 1990s, and I think the first time I started doing uh, this binaural uh, soundscape work was I, I did a trip out to the American Prairie region in 1993, and that was my first year where, along with doing parabolic reflector-type recordings, I gathered a number of uh, these binaural soundscapes. And, and as I go back and listen to that stuff, I, I just got tremendous stuff. I was with my friend Ted Mack, who is also a recordist, who lives up in the Adirondack Mountains. And we did really crazy things. We were out in the prairie really early, and we set our soundscape mics on floating platforms out in the edges of marshes and got all this fantastic duck activity duck swimming around the mic and flying over and taking flight and as I listen back to those recordings I'm like holy smoke how did we <laughs> how did we manage to do all that and we were more rugged then I think we went it was cold very cold mm -hmm. on the prairie and so we braved the cold and snow flurries and ice and and got these fantastic recordings so that was the beginning of it. Lang Elliott has been recording the sounds of the natural world now for more than 30 years. And as you would expect, he's amassed an extraordinary sound library, which brings us to the subject of his mobile application, Pure Nature 3D Soundscapes. My new mobile app is called uh, Pure Nature 3D Soundscapes. Several years ago, I thought, well, I've done all this binaural recording through the years across North America, and 
what is the best way to feature this work or to get it out there so people find it or can enjoy it? So we went into his archives and he began to assemble the tracks he needed. Scouring recordings all the way back to the early, to 1993 when I began the binaural work and trying to extract from my archives um, soundscapes that I thought were more in the category of healing soundscapes, just lovely, wonderful uh binaural 3D type soundscapes that people would enjoy listening to for long periods of time. And of course that immediately excluded a tremendous number of recordings I have of things that are in your face, you know, right up on frogs and quite a number of birds coming in close. Um, Those recordings are useful, but when you have like a bird in your face, it's cool for a little while, but after about a minute or so, it's like, okay, I don't know if I want to keep listening to that because it's loud and the bird sings and I got it, you know, and then move on to something else. So I was more interested in recordings that you would meditate to or sit and just enjoy and want to keep listening to. So I scoured my collection and and realizing back then that I was lacking in a lot of sort of no-brainer recordings like Gentle Brook, Trickling Brook, Gurgling, or wind recordings and uh, rain and thunder that I had gathered some of that, but I felt like I was, you know, didn't have enough of it. So for the next year and a half, Lang immersed himself, capturing the sounds he needed to produce an app that you really, really need to have. Now, currently it's only available for Apple devices, but that's going to change soon. So at this point in the interview, I asked Lang to talk a little bit about Fieldcraft. How does he get the recordings that he does? You can't escape this distant rumble of, of human civilization, you know, machinery that just travels miles. And luckily, the, the editing software we now have and the noise reduction algorithms are really so much more sophisticated. I mean, in the old days, you used to just, if there was annoying rumble at the bottom, you would consider rolling it off just filtering it out. But there's also a rough grouse drumming periodically, which is very low frequency. And if you try to just filter out the bottom end, the rumble, you're going to filter out your rough grouse. Of course, sometimes that rumble that he's talking about doesn't really matter. It all depends on the reason you're recording in the first place. First of all, you ask yourself, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? If you're a scientist and it's a documentation then you don't care about, you know, the ambient noise. It is what it is. But then if somebody is approaching it from the direction that I am, uh, I want to gather healing soundscapes, a whole different ballgame. If you want to gather clean and clear recordings of species, well, you do need a parabolic microphone. You know, and there's a number of them out there. You sort of need the dish to focus and isolate different birds and to get that kind of recording. You don't need a super expensive recorder uh, because these little portables are, are rather incredible these days in their quality compared to what they used to be. So you can get by without uh, spending a whole lot on a recorder, but you know the, the parabolic microphones do cost a certain amount of money. Um, and you, know, you could probably find a solution for under $500 that works pretty good, but some of the more solid ones are $1,000 or so. 
but you, you do need that device uh, to, to isolate and amplify. So that covers the equipment for those who want to use a parabolic mic to isolate and record a single species. But what about those recordists who want to do broader soundscapes? Now, soundscape recording, it sort of depends on uh, how you think about it. I love binaural recording because when you put the headphones on, it's just hugely, wonderfully spacious. Let me interrupt for just a second. A binaural recording is simply one that imitates the sound field that the human ears hear. So basically having a barrier in between in the real world, it's the skull between your ears, provides separation for the two microphones, or in the case of the human body, the two ears. Makes you sound like you're there. As opposed to, let's say, you bought an inexpensive little uh, recorder that recorded stereo, that had stereo mics built in. Well, you do get a sense of space, but it's not at all the same as binaural. So to record with the built-in mics of like a little portable recorder, you're going to be limited because it's not, you know, it's not a binaural, it's stereo, and there's only so much sense of space that that's going to, to give you, given that you're going to listen over headphones. My final question to Lang was a philosophical one. Why do we do this? Why do we record? His answer was interesting and somewhat multifaceted. Well, certain people, like my friend Bernie Krauss, has approached soundscapes more as documentations to show changes through time. Um, that, you know, as we, if we do certain things like log areas over or as droughts come, uh, how it changes the soundscape. And you can say, well, you know, way back when, here's what it was, and now look at the mess we're in. You know, here's what it is now, and it's much worse. Although it could be better, depends on the situation. You know, I my approach is not that. I'm sort of, I, I'm pretty negative about the future of humanity, I have to say, outright. I don't know what we can do to to stop this, this mess. We seem to be like this giant snowball rolling down a hill heading for some kind of disaster. So I don't know if we can turn that around. So I, I guess, you know, it's, it's hard for me to answer that question because I'm not focused on saving anything. Although I think all this stuff should be, <laughs> I hope it doesn't go away. It's just that for me, my goal is to celebrate and to produce things that reflect my sense of joy, you know, when I'm out there. And, and I'm trusting that that has a, a positive effect on everything that's going on. Soundscape artist Lang Elliott. Please visit his website, Music of Nature, and if you're an Apple device user, at least for the moment, please download and enjoy his app, Pure Nature 3D Soundscapes. It's really wonderful. Hey, thanks for dropping by. I'm Steve Shepard, the host of the Natural Curiosity Project, where we're committed to the idea that curiosity leads to discovery, discovery leads to knowledge, knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. In every episode, we explore some topic that piqued our curiosity enough to make us want to share it with you. I hope you enjoy the journey. And if you did, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a comment over at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.